Hey, good morning, church. How are we doing? Hey, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us here and those that are joining us online. Let's stand together. In the Old Testament, uh, Israel is delivered by God from Egypt, from the slavery of Egypt. And uh, in the process of that, after it happens, they begin to celebrate. And, and God, he warns them. He says, don't forget. Don't forget that I'm your deliverer. And church, don't forget that God is our deliverer, that he has delivered us from sin and death. And this morning, that's how we're going to start worship. We're going to remember again his deliverance for us. Let's sing together. Yeah. 
scripture, God defines faith as, as being sure of the thing that we've hoped for. It's what we haven't seen come to fruition yet. It's what we haven't seen God bring about, and yet we're sure of it because he's promised it, because he's promised that he will work good for his people. And so I want to sing that bridge again. I just, I love the lyrics of that bridge, that even when I can't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when everything in me, it, it just senses that God is against me and that God isn't working for me, God is working because his promise says so, his word says so. It says, it says very clearly he works for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that he is for you, that his favor is upon you, not because of anything you've done, but because of the cross. It always comes back to the cross. He has proven in that place that he is for you. So I just wanna sing that in confidence to him this morning as a church. Just wanna raise that. Maybe you've gone through a season in the last couple of months and it feels like nothing, nothing is going the way you had hoped and nothing is going the way that you had planned. And yet this morning, God is working. He's working for you in your favor and for his glory. And so let's sing that out even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, God, I know that you are. My confidence, my faith is not in what I see. It's in the thing hoped for. We sing this out. because our God is faithful. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. This morning, we're uh, just going to take a moment and remember Christ and his sacrifice for us. I invite you to get out the uh, cup, and you may want to take the first thing off that uncovers the bread. Um, the noises of worship now, right? So... Everybody listen. You like the... Um, you ever seen this, ever said this, or wanted to say this, or heard somebody say uh, when they see someone suffering, uh, maybe it's their child, a family member, a close friend, and they say something to the idea that they're sick, right, and just going through something horrible, and, and you, you hear someone say, if I could just take that from them, I would. If I could actually take that off of them, I would gladly suffer that so they wouldn't have, have to do that. And you ever hear that? It's not just in the halls of church, right? It's just in this world, right? Someone who doesn't even believe in God would say that over their child. People who have no idea who Jesus is would say this of someone they love, really, like, deeply love and, and treasure and it's a statement of salvation. 
Isn't that interesting? Woven into the spirit of every person who's ever lived is this idea of salvation. It's put in us. And when we see someone that we love suffering and in pain, we want to save. We want to save them. I think this is a powerful tribute to who our God is. Because we don't get that. No one gets that without God. It's, it's his image that we have. It's, it's a stamp on our soul. It's, it's him. And so when we come to communion, it's this moment where God said, I love them. And I want to take all the pain away from them. I want to take all the suffering away from them. I want to take even the sin, and I will bear it on myself. See, the thing is, we can never save someone else. As much as we would love to do it, we can't take away the pain. We can't take away the sickness. We can't take away sin. We can't do any of that. We find ourselves powerless in the middle of that, but God sent his son and said, I want you to go, and I want you to take on yourself all of the sin and all the sickness, and I want you to save them. It's a powerful thought that Jesus loved you so much. He loved me so much that he said, I, I want to take from Scott all of his sin. I want to take from you all of your sin and bear the pun- penalty and bear the punishment. And the thing is, he did. He didn't just say it, he did it. Father accepted his sacrifice, raised him from the dead. And so we're here today saying that we will never forget. He made a way, right? He made a way for us to be forgiven, to be healed, to be saved. It's his body and his blood. Let's eat. Let's drink. When we talk about salvation, Christ and his power, there's this moment in the story of Jesus when he's under trial, he's been arrested, he's in the governor's mansion or whatever building that is, headquarters, the Roman governor, Pilate, and and Pilate's talking to him, and he says, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom were of this world. My servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. And Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus said, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
I want to read that or I read that because we're going to spend a moment and pray for our nation. This is the week of the election. You may think, well, how do we get from there to here? Jesus, in the moment where he is saving this world, makes a profound statement. He's like, my kingdom is not of this world. He says it three times. My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. I am a king. I am the king. My kingdom's not of this world. Paul says we're aliens in America. Put it in our context. We are not citizens here. We're citizens of heaven. Wandering. Another person says, part of the kingdom of God. So what we do as Christians is we do not take our cues from anyone except filtered through Christ. He's our king. We follow his cues. We're part of the kingdom of God. And and so when you see Uh, political parties and leaders and when you see media, whatever party they are affiliated with, giving us cues to panic, to fear, to hate, to worry. We don't belong to this kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. We do. And so we're going to pray as citizens of the king. We've just been singing about our king. And we're going to pray that he would move through us, move in this nation. Join me as we pray. High king of heaven, the one who is above every throne, every kingdom, every president, every king, every prime minister, we we come to you and acknowledge you as your, the king overall, your kingdom is the everlasting kingdom. Would you come and would you touch your people this morning? We ask, Jesus, that you would bring righteousness, you would bring peace, you would bring your kingdom. Would it come here on this earth, would, you, would it come here in America? Would it come here in Ohio, even to our own towns? We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And in the middle of this, would we shine as citizens of your, your kingdom with peace, rest, joy, strength, Hope, hope, hope because we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken.
we lift you high above every throne above every power above every dominion we praise you and lift you high
Christ, we, we long for the day. We long for the day when we're in your eternal kingdom. But Lord, we praise you that you are continuing that story, that you are working and bringing about your kingdom here. We thank you for that promise. Lord, I praise you for the church. Praise you for the church and the gift that that is, that you've brought the church to life, that you sparked the church to life by your spirit, Lord. And we get to look around this morning and see story after story of how you've brought your kingdom, how you've brought new life through Christ. So we worship and praise you, Lord. We honor and lift you high as the King of kings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. thought what comes after the box. At Samaritan's Purse, we've got an incredible program after Operation Christmas Child. It's called The Greatest Journey. The purpose of Samaritan's Purse is evangelism. We just don't want to just hand out a box. Children that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we want them to grow in their faith. We want to disciple them and raise up an army of young kids who can take their faith and share it with another child so that that person will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, evangelism taking the gospel to another generation. You shall love the Lord your God to know that you're passing on what you've learned to another person, not just keeping the knowledge for yourself. You feel love. You feel like, you know what, I'm at home. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right now. We always work through the local church. And when it's all said and done and the training's finished, these kids are going to be part of the church, going out into their communities, sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. The Greatest Journey is a great opportunity to impact the life of a child, teaching children how to share their faith with their friends and family around the world, raising up an army of evangelists who can take the gospel to the next generation. That's so cool. Church, how are we doing this morning? Everyone good? All right, you got that extra hour of sleep, and then you guys were the smart ones that slept in even more, weren't you? That's awesome. Uh, Operation Christmas Child is an amazing ministry that uh, they run it, I believe, out of North Carolina, but uh, it's a ministry that we've been involved in at Christmas time uh, the last several years and maybe even beyond that, where we fill up shoeboxes as a church and we bring them back here. And then they're delivered off to the places where they can get them around the world so that the gospel and those gifts can go out to kids all over the place. So uh, these shoebox ministries, it's really simple. You're gonna, uh, if you want to be a part of it, you pick up the shoebox as you're headed out today. They're going to have them at the doors. And then you'll bring them back November 22nd. And uh, really this is just an opportunity to bless a kid who can't uh, maybe experience Christmas in the way we would around the world. Uh, we fill those shoeboxes with different gifts. There's hygiene stuff. There's, there's toys in there. Uh, it's just a really neat ministry. Uh, it's a way to bless them physically. And then in the process of that, uh, Samaritan's Purse also has the opportunity to share the gospel with those in that community. And so it's a pretty incredible op opportunity for us to begin to partner with them and, uh, and share the gospel around the world through that ministry. So if you want to be a part of that, pick up a shoebox on the way out those doors uh, this morning and then bring it back on November 22nd. If you're a little bit hesitant about going shopping and filling up a box, you can actually fill one online as well. So if you go through our website, thefreshwater.church, you can find out more information about all of that as well as maybe where you can do those online uh, boxes boxes as well. Another thing that's coming up is every year we do a daddy-daughter date night. 
Now this year with COVID, a lot has changed. And so we're going to do something a little bit different called Daddy Daughter Dino Night. So someone guess what that, uh, that theme is going to be. Dinos. Yeah, that's right, dinosaurs. So uh, it, it sounds like a ton of fun, but what we're going to do, instead of being in here, we're going to have a drive through There's going to be a team that will meet you on that night. It's a Friday night. And as you drive through, uh, they'll be waiting for you to give you more information about, uh, it's a packet about what you can do that night with your daughter. And then you can go out for a meal. Or you can go out however you want to uh, make that date special for uh, your daughter, you can go do that from there. But uh, what you'll do is you'll drive through, you'll pick up that packet, and you'll get sent off uh, with uh, some fun things to partake in. So that's going to be on November 20th. It's coming up in a few weeks. You can actually sign up for that on the freshwater.church, our website, uh, as well as get more information there as well. Uh, something that's unique to this morning is our youth group is going to be kicking off tonight at 5.30 in this room. And so as part of that process, we actually need some extra hands after this service to tear down all these chairs, to get them put onto the sidewalls, as well as bring out a lot of the games and stuff that the, the teens are going to be enjoying tonight. So uh, if you can stick around for that, please do. You just, just hang around when the usher comes up, tell them, hey, I want to stay around uh, to help tear that down. And then uh, once everyone's out, we'll start to commence into that. So there will be a slide that reminds you at the end. But if you can do that, resolve in your mind to stick around and help us out with that. Uh, the last thing we want to do now is every week we like to highlight uh, either a missionary that we support or uh, a missions agency that we support. And uh, this morning is a local one. It's Wadsworth Fish. And uh, FISH is an incredible ministry that provides uh, for physical needs of those in our community that maybe are having a hard time. And so we want to take time. You can see the bullet points on the screen. If you want to take a picture of that, that would be good so that you can uh, just have the opportunity um, to pray for them throughout the week. But uh, let's take some time and just go before God and uh, ask him to bless this ministry, especially during this season. God, we... Uh, we're humbled by your love for us and your care for us. How as a father you've provided every need. Even salvation, Lord, how you provided that. And where there was no way, you made a way. And Lord, I pray uh, for fish as they enter into that gospel ministry and continue to do that in this city. There are those that just feel like... Um, there's no hope because they can't even provide um, for the physical needs of their life or for their kid's life. And so, God, would you just anoint that ministry to be your gospel hands and feet in Wadsworth throughout this community? I pray for those that are going to be coming in, the clients that are going to be, will be coming in for help, Lord. Would you soften and open their hearts so that through the, the volunteers they'd see you, Christ, that they'd see how much you love them, how much you care for them. I ask for the volunteers, Lord, strength and endurance as they go through this Christmas season. Lord, give them endurance, but also, Lord, give them a fragrance of you that as people come across them, they just sense you, Christ, and all that you are. And Lord, we just, we pray that so you would take care of the logistics as they, as they pack things and prepare things in this really weird time, Lord. Uh, would you just, would you go before and just make the way straight and make the way easy for them? All of the practical things that Fish is trying to get ready, Lord, would you help in God? Lord, we entrust that ministry this Christmas season, but even beyond, Lord, would you just, would you use them, Lord? Physical needs are such an opportunity, Lord, because you've humbled us through them, because we need you, we need somebody. Christ, would you use them to point to you, to point to your goodness? Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one more thing, I forgot to say this. Uh, if you are new with us, 
Um, or maybe this is your first or second time visiting, we'd love to just begin to form a relationship with you. So uh, up on the screen, there's going to be a, a, a number that you can di- that you don't dial it, text it. Uh, just the word welcome. And sometime this week, someone on our staff or with our volunteer team will be reaching out to you uh, just to make some headway and getting to know you. So uh, pull out your phone, do that. And Pastor Scott, doesn't he look good this morning? Look how good he looks. All right. Aww, there you go. You're so nice. All right. You know, it's crazy. We just had our... Um our little membership class, uh, 10 out of 13 people started attending Freshwater online, um, which is it's just a new day. So uh, welcome if you're online. Uh, glad you're joining in with us, uh, really, because uh, this is often where people are starting to connect. If you'd been here in the room, though, you would have seen something amazing. At the beginning of the service, there was a lot of people crying because uh, they got to choose their own row. It was amazing. It was just powerful powerful thing. So nice. You're in your hood now, everybody around your peeps. All right, good. Um, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1. And as you're turning there, uh, yeah, just um, also want to say thank you to the deaconesses for all those years you guys put together the uh, communion bread. Um, I was talking to somebody in the first service, and our vote is the homemade secret recipe for communion bread is so much better than that little thin wafer. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I miss it. Um, But we're in a series where we're going through the mission and the vision and the value, or the values that we have here at Freshwater Community Church. Last week, we talked about our mission statement, which is to glorify God, and it's it's represented by the, the signs, right? The arrow signs. We glorify God by connecting up with Him connecting in to his family, the church family, and connecting out to the world with his mission. Those, those three things um, that Christ calls us to, and they're all rooted in relationship, uh, all centered around relationship, not programs, not buildings, not anything else, but it's relationship, people and God. Um, that is the mission, to be connected in those three areas. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the vision statement, and our vision statement is simply this, to see disciples making disciples in which the presence of God flows through them into the world to bring transformation. A vision statement is a statement about what this looks like. What, What does that look like when we talk about our mission to glorify God by connecting up, in, and out what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. Disciples making disciples in which the presence of God is flowing through them to bring transformation into the world. Now, this comes out of two different passages we've, we've been talking about. I'm going to keep coming back to them. One is Matthew chapter 28. It's right there before Jesus ascends into heaven. It's almost, some would say it's the same statement said in a different way, um, added into different pieces that were emphasized that we're going to read in Acts chapter 1. But Matthew 28, Jesus says this, All authority and power has been given to me, therefore go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the world. It's in these statements here that we we find our 
our vision statement, our mission statement, vision statement. It's all part of this. But there's something inherent. There's, there's a picture here that Jesus is, is, has of the church and has of every believer. And it's a picture that has a couple pieces to it. One first is, is this idea of multiplication. Matthew 28, Jesus says that, right? Go and make disciples of all nations. Acts 1 says, go and be witnesses. But you see this multiplication thing in in Matthew 28. It's the idea of a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. And this is the picture he has for your life. This is the picture he has for Freshwater. If you follow Jesus, multiplication is a big piece of his vision for your life. And mine. And if you read Acts as the story goes, this this group of, of followers of Jesus that was all small started to what? Make disciples. And they made disciples, and then all of a sudden that second generation starts to make disciples, but they start going ahead and making the second generation over here. So you've got second generations making disciples, you've got the first generation making yet another generation. And every generation thereafter making disciples who make disciples. It's not just make disciples, because often what can happen is you get this idea that, oh, I'm just going to go make disciples, and it becomes just a holding tank. It just becomes something that, well, Christians, we just disciple each other, but there's no multiplication involved. We just keep discipling the same people over and over and over again. That's not multiplication. Not the vision that Christ has for the kind of multiplication he's calling us to. It's a multiplication of making someone a disciple who understands how to make a disciple and then that they must go make a disciple. Making disciple makers. And over the years, I don't know if you guys have ever read something like this or seen the graph or the little picture that's up on the screen, and this is how it goes. If one Christian would spend one year discipling two people, and then they start again the next year, disciple two people, but that, those two people then go and disciple two of their own people, right? And then you see the story of multiplication play out. And so in 15 years, if everybody did their part and multiplied, right, well, we would have three million that would be part of Freshwater Community Church in 15 years. And we get done reading that, and, and I don't know about you, but thank you for the pile of guilt, and thank you for the pile of defeat, right? That was wonderful to be under that picture. Uh, that's what I felt when I was in my college years. I see that, and I go, oh, I got to do this. And it, The problem is it doesn't take into account a couple things, but one is Jesus said the way is narrow. The way is really narrow. And Jesus himself said, yeah, that picture is great in theory, but the way is narrow, and very few follow. It's not as easy. So I want to be honest about that. It's not as easy as it sounds, right? Just go multiply. If everybody just did their part. Yet, it doesn't cancel out the vision Christ has for you and I to go and make disciples. It doesn't. It doesn't take that call, that vision away from us. 
So let me ask you something. If God has a picture of your life and a vision for your life, as it were, and he has one for mine and he has one for our church, you ever have those moments where you're willing to say, all right, Lord, show me your vision. Show me the vision you have for my life. And you step back and you wait and you get it from him. What if that could be a moment right now in this room, online, where you say, God, what is, my, what is the vision you have for my life? Especially as it relates to this idea of multiplication. And am I living up to your vision? Is freshwater living up to your vision? To make disciples who make disciples. Who make disciples. Where this starts... Well, it starts right at home. That's the easiest place. You don't even have to leave. It starts with our kids. It starts with our family. That's a big deal. Deuteronomy, God said, hey, look, I want you to do this. And it, it's addressed to the families and the nation. And you could say that. You don't have to necessarily say nation anymore because obviously we're the family of God. But you can extrapolate and say the church family And it's this idea of discipling the kids and everywhere you go and you're reminding them and you're weaving in the story and the reality of of God and his love for us and, and so on. So discipleship starts at home. Discipleship is something the church partners with. What is happening over there with our children is not child care. If you think it's child care, I want you to see something really quick, okay? If you just think it's child care and that's just fun and games over there and little crayons, just, just watch this for a second, okay? How many of you started following Christ when you were a child? Just raise your hand. Keep it up. Let me tell you something. Look around. Hold on. Keep it up. Is it child care? Or discipleship? It's not child care. Something happens over there that is inherently, inherently this vision of God lived out. And it seems real messy. And, and it can be really <laughs> messy as the people who sometimes have to clean up the mess. And it can seem real fuzzy. And it can seem real extended. Like it goes for years. And, but then some moment it, it happens. And they get it. And now they're like walking with God and they're talking with God. And when did that happen and how did that happen? Was it when they were coloring in, in, in preschool and talking about Jesus and his love? Or, or was it in third grade? Was it in sixth grade? I don't know. It's disciple making at its finest. It's, it's why we call it Gen Now in our student ministry. We're not telling our students, hey, when you grow up, it's now. Because it doesn't say in here, oh, oh, no, wait, no, Jesus actually said, wait a minute, I want to tell the kids, you guys don't do this until you're grown-ups. It doesn't say that. It says anyone who starts to follow Christ is someone who can make a disciple. Discipleship happens in all kinds of contexts. It's real fluid. 
It's relational, right? Connecting up with God, connecting in and connecting out. It's fluid. You, you, you can't put boundaries on it and boxes in it and say, this is the only place that we're going to do discipleship because it's, it's so fluid. So it happens in our community groups. It happens in our Bible studies. It happens in our theology class. It happens when you serve. It happens in all kinds of contexts, inside, outside the church. Making disciples is something that is a lifelong thing that happens in the context of relationships. Sometimes some are discipling us. Sometimes we're discipling others. It's real fluid. The question, though, as we look at this, and and, and what I love, there's something I really love, especially about... You know, I, I talk about Alpha a lot because I, I'm, I'm passionate to see people start following Christ. But one of the things is the strength of Alpha is we take brand new disciples and we say, start discipling right now. Your card-carrying member, you have the Spirit, start discipling now. You don't have to wait. Because that, that's what this says. If you follow Christ, start making a disciple. And so we throw people into the deep end. You can do it. That's what happens. You don't have to wait. Is it messy? Well, sure. It's not any more messy than the messes that we make. God's in it. If we follow the New Testament model, one other thing about this idea of multiplication is at some point, the church as a family and and individuals we start to realize, especially if you read the New Testament, there is a piece of multiplication that is about sending. And we start to realize our sending capacity may be one of the greatest assets the church has. The ability to send people and say, go now and go and start this in another place. Go start making disciples over here and go start making disciples over here. Our church sent out Back in the 90s, Emily Dueck, that's her, now her, her married name, and, and, and her and J.D., we had this partnership with them, had for years in Africa, they're in Senegal. Since I've been here, we've sent out a number of people to go and make disciples. Tell me if you know any of these names. They don't tell me, but you'll recognize some of them. Summer Hartzler, huge part of our church. We sent her over to Germany. Josh Franks grew up in this church. Part of our ministries here. He's now making disciples in Ohio, down in Columbus. Matt and Amber Walker, part of our church, came here. God, God did a work, sends them on to Kansas, and they're out in Nebraska now, right? Not Kansas anymore. Making disciples out in the middle of farmland. Neil and Julie Clark, may know them, been a part of our church for five or six years. God called them, and they sent them up to Olmstead Falls, Stephen Lissette, Wiggins. They were part of our church for a number of years, over, over 10 years, something like that. God, God sent them, and they're over in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. What? Making disciples. Ken and Wendy Ferguson, another couple, came a part of our church. God did some movement in them and ends up calling them to China, and we were part of, part of that and, and what God was doing there. Ken Kutzel part of our church and our youth ministry, junior high and high school, goes off to college, gets called to go and teach. And so we're praying for Ken. He's in Niger. What if our sending capacity is one of our greatest strengths? Look around. This church is deep. Like deep with people who could go and start churches 
or be a part of starting churches and other places or satellites. We haven't done it since I've been here, and I, I just am like, Lord, when is this going to happen? Because I think we have so many. And I believe God wants to do more. I do. But multiplication is our vision. Multiplication, disciples making disciples, churches sending out those who would start other churches or join other churches. We just actually just talked to someone two weeks ago, got an email from someone who's been a part of our church, and God did a, a great healing work in them and got them, just they came in really wounded, and God got them established, whole, headed the right direction, and just got an email saying, hey, we just sensed that God is now calling us to go and to bring health and to start going. They went back to the church that had wounded them, and God, they just felt like God is saying, it's time for you to now lead and, and to make disciples here and to push this church forward. I'm like, that's a win. It's the kingdom of God, right? It, if it's the kingdom of God, it's not about fresh water as ourselves. It's about the kingdom of God. It's a win. So our vision is disciples making disciples in which the presence of God. Stop right there. Second idea, second piece of this picture, multiplication and then the presence of God. Jesus is talking to the disciples and says, look, don't you guys go anywhere. They've had a taste of power. They've had a taste of authority. But Jesus says, don't go anywhere. You're going to receive power. Power is the word. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he's giving this commission, but he says, you need power. And that only comes through the presence. And they've tasted it because he sent them off. And you read that in the middle of Luke where he sends them out. He sends out the 12 and he sends out 72. And they go out with power and authority. They come back going, that was awesome. Power. You know, when God showed himself to Israel and, and his awe and his majesty and power, it was Mount Sinai and there was smoke and fire and there was this line around the mountain, don't go past it or you will die, kind of thing. Power. One time he appeared to Moses, all this power coming around him, and then it's just this whisper. Hearing from the Lord the presence of God. Sometimes it was light. It was smoke filling the temple, and nobody went in because the presence of God was there, and they knew they would be killed. Sometimes prophets saw Jesus in a vision, and it was him as this, this being that was fire. Awe-inspiring power. And over and over again, stories of people falling on the ground, falling on their faces, trembling in the presence of, of the God of the universe, the most powerful being ever. And what would you do around raw power? You tremble. You shake. And Jesus says, you're going to receive power in chapter 2, it says this, when the, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were suddenly together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a shout like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And it goes on, and Peter describes what's happening here, and he says this, in the last days, in verse 17, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You're you're talking about power. The the spirit comes on and, and fills them with power. And tragically, our vision for our life is often not even close to the vision God has for our life. This is the vision that God has for our life. It's it's the presence of God and his power on us. There's churches, there's denominations that develop theologies that write this out of the lives of Christians and churches. And you end up with a powerless group of people. This is the vision we have for our church, that we would be a church where the presence of God is is here, is manifested, not just God is always there. He's always present everywhere, right? He's omnipresent all presence. We're talking about the manifest presence of God where it is revealed, it is known, it is made aware, right? And so people can sit in a room and go, he's here, like I sense him. Not emotionalism, the manifest presence of God. Immersed in his presence. A.W. Tozer once wrote this, he said, I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. Our vision is to never settle for anything except the living presence of God. And we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that we as a church, and then hopefully us as, as believers, are walking in the presence. The last piece is transformation. Disciples making disciples in which the presence of God flows through them to bring transformation to this world. Transformation that comes right out of God's word. It transforms everything. Our, our name, Freshwater, I talked about this uh, a few months back as we were going through Ezekiel. If you want to listen to that message, it's chapter 47. But our, our church was named out of, out of Ezekiel 47 and the freshwater of God. And it's this picture of, I won't go into that whole thing, but it's simply that passage is a, a vision of where God's presence comes into the temple because Israel's worshiping him and and taking care of of what it means to worship him their lives and their practice and he says this is what's going to happen and so his presence fills the temple flows out of the temple down into the wilderness into the dead sea everywhere the presence of god flows transformation happens wilderness turns into life dead sea turns into life and and life comes healing comes food comes as a result of where the presence of god is It's a vision of what happens when God's people live out the mission of God. And Acts 
starts to describe this. Chapter 2, towards the end, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. Skip over to chapter 5. And it says this in verse 32, actually chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, and they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Skip over to chapter 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, the demonic, and were all healed. That, that's what happens. People saw the difference of the presence of God, and they wanted it. They wanted it. They didn't understand all of it, but they wanted it. That's what happens when the presence of God is, in, is coming in power in people's lives. It flows out of us to bring transformation. That's God's vision. How's your life lining up with God's vision? Is, is, it, is it something that really, you would sit back and say, God's like, yeah, that's, that's my vision for your life, my presence in you, and it is bringing transformation. Because this is for everyone. This isn't just for some, this is for everyone. You know how we measure this, or how I measure this? I, I'm listening for stories of transformation. That, that's what I listen for. Tell me the stories of transformation. And those are all kinds of varied stories, all kinds of ways it happens. But they're typically stories that revolve around God and, and, and whoever is in relationship with somebody telling the story. And it simply goes something like, and you wouldn't believe what God did. That's somehow how the stories go. And you wouldn't believe what God did next. And you wouldn't believe how God did this. And you wouldn't believe how God opened up that. And you wouldn't believe what, right? It's the stories when people get up here and they say, I once was lost and now I'm found. That's a story of transformation. Charles Finney, he was a part of the Great Awakening, which saw so many hundreds of thousands of people come to know the Lord. He said this, if the presence of, God, presence of God is in the church, the church will draw the world in. If the presence of God is not in the church, the church or the world will draw the church out. We've always run with this. If the presence of God is here, look out. He's the game changer, right? He's the way maker. 
look out. Our desire as a staff, this was a statement put together by the staff and the elders. We've been praying over this. We believe God is leading us this direction, has been. It's, it's more of the same. And I believe that we still have yet to see all that God would do. There's a lot more. I hope you will continue to run and partner with this as you're part of Freshwater. That you'll say, I'm in for this. I can live for this kind of vision. I hope you can say that and jump in. We need people that are all in on this. Making disciples, this idea of multiplication, passionate about being in the presence and making sure we're living in the presence of God, that he, his presence can, can flow through us, and passionate about transformation, seeing him radically change the landscape of people's lives, even towns, even nations. Let's pray. So make a way, Lord. Make a way and do it. Make a way so that fresh water is this church that you would say is living out the vision you've given us. That we ourselves, each of us, are living out the vision you've put in our hearts. Would you give each person that picture that video clip of what it looks like, our lives aligned with your vision. Would you keep blessing our church? Would you keep coming and, and making your presence known to us? Oh, Lord, we pray for that. And today, would you send us out as your citizens of your kingdom would you send us out so that we go into this world and we're different and we're we're walking with power this week of any week let us walk with power so that people are drawn to us not because of what we believe politically but they're drawn to us because we know you and are filled with you and your presence amen God bless you all. Uh, if you could wait for the ushers to dismiss you, that'd be great. And we still do need uh, people to help uh, tear down chairs here. And if, if you're newer to our church, uh, we don't do the offering plate anymore. We do the boxes in the back. And uh, so if you want to give to Christ, um, you know, have, feel free to use those boxes. God bless you all. Oh, shoe boxes. I knew there was one other thing. Shoe boxes. Get them at the door. You don't have to get them at the table. That was the other thing.